0: Welcome back. It is Adam. This is Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to speak with Moksha and Jamal of WhoDost over Zoom Video. Moksha was born and raised in Canada, and she talked about how she got into music, where Jamal was born in Tennessee and grew up mainly in the Gainesville, Florida area. They both met in North Carolina at a Rumi festival that was put on by Turkish Sufis. And they talk about that and and how they met. They started off writing music together, which eventually bloomed into a romance. Now they're married. And they started Hudost back in around 2005, 2006. They talk about putting out their first record, immediately touring Europe. All the collaborations they've done over the course of the past years. Working with Jars of Clay and all about the collaborations on their brand new record that just came out, which is called Anthems of Home. You can watch our interview with Hudos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringin' It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Bringin' Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom, so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over. To bringinitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase. Because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with who And This is about you guys, your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. Um, you're married, correct? Yes. we are. Yeah, that is so cool. My wife and I started this podcast together, but because of COVID uh, <laughs> and we have two kids, it's been easier just to have uh, me do the interview portion and she kind of helps a lot on the back end. But um, awesome.
1: when we're, more face to
0: face stuff happens, we'll we'll be back doing it together.
1: Yeah, we, we have, have a kid too.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, right on. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. um, why don't we start off, uh, moksha you're, you're originally from Canada?
1: I am. And I still consider myself Canadian. Okay. (laughs) Um, Tell me about
0: that. Where, where in Canada did you grow up?
1: I grew up, um, outside of Montreal is where I was like born and raised and then, you know, lived in Montreal for several years as well. Um, before basically, and we had our son actually up in Canada as well. And then decided to move down here. So
2: he's, he's a dual citizen as well. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. And did you guys meet in Canada?
1: We did not. We met in North Carolina of all places. It was my first time in the Southeast actually, um, and went down for a Rumi festival, like a, the, the Persian poet Rumi. Okay. And um, I thought it was gonna be an academic festival and it was totally not. It was like a wild bunch of Turkish Sufis um, having amazing bonfires in the forest basically. And it was <laughs> really fun. And that's where we first met.
0: And you yeah. were
2: okay. Very cool. And how did you get into music?
1: Um, I we have different stories. I personally that
2: was twenty one years ago, by the way. That we okay. So yeah,
1: pre
0: meeting, Moksha, how did you get into music?
1: I have been. I mean, I started studying classical piano when I was like six, you know, and just continued on, and then um, started studying voice in my teens, and started touring, especially with acquire, like when I was in my teens, you know, and then, and then in university did more, but um, kind of was led in a lot of different directions with that. So, so basically, in a nutshell, my primary training is especially like in Western classical, but then also what I branched out into was like Eastern European and Indian voice training.
0: Oh, awesome. Very, very cool. And uh, what about you, Jamal?
2: Where are you born and raised? Um, I was born in the car on the way to the hospital outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Right on. But then um, was in Oklahoma, then actually grew up in Florida. Okay. Where I lived for the longest period of time. And um, so in terms of music, you know, I was uh, always obsessed by music as a child, you know, being into Kiss and... You know really early on and stuff like that um uh-huh. but then i started you know not too long you know in high school when i got my first guitar within less than a year getting my first guitar i was i started a punk rock band so I started playing in the the late 80s punk rock scene in gainesville florida oh it's, awesome it's a lot of bands came out of that um yeah so i was uh that's where i kind of you know did my my thing for many years until I met her and then we went up to, you know, Montreal and are living here now. So, but I've been making music, you know, so you can hear some of that still in our music, Uh you know, sort of the Sonic Youth type, you know, like noise scape stuff, but in a more more mellow way.
1: I like that you give the context that it was less than a year after getting a guitar, it's like <laughs> punk rock, the music style yeah. that you need this much training for. <laughs> right,
0: right. If you could play a power chord, you're good to go. <laughs> you
1: can yeah. play a garbage can and you'd be yeah. good
2: to go. <laughs> is, yeah, totally. That had a fuzz pedal and a delay pedal, and that was all I needed to get up and going, you know, and sheets of feedback. And, you know, that's, that's I still, that's my fallback plan punk rock <laughs> you know, noise and feedback you know like stuff starts falling apart we can always make it interesting by you know entering into sonic landscapes sure
0: sure so you were why do why were you at the festival you're a fan the festival
2: that you both met at oh well you know it was, it was more do you know anything about the sufis huh um or
1: the poet rumi rumi was a he was a persian poet from the 13th century and um did just really beautiful really beautiful verse and i mean i personally had sort of like been introduced to it on an academic level and that's what brought me um to experience that but he sort of has a different story with it well
2: the Sufis are it's kind of it's a it's a spiritual path it's kind of an interfaith. Uh what would you say, esoteric spiritual path. And I was kind of, you know, yeah. I don't know how how much to go back to. I was, I grew up Southern Baptist. She grew up Buddhist and very open hippie parents. I grew up, you know, going to Southern Baptist church and, you know, Hellfire and Left Behind and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I started, I went from punk rock into like going into the Grateful Dead, which led me into like, ramdas and eastern mysticism so i started getting you know to get away from the christian stuff i started going into um you know seeking eastern religions out and so when i found sufism that was kind of a you know it was very interfaith based mm-hmm. honoring all religions and stuff so that at that time 21 years ago i was exploring that and was hanging out with these wild turkish people and then you know so they were doing a festival every year that was around music and poetry and you know, all that kind of crazy jumping through fire stuff, so.
1: Thank you guys. Wild. To- we say wild, and it's a good breed of wild. Yes. Okay,
0: and then you met there, and we're, did you connect over music, or?
2: Yeah, we were, she walked in in the middle of this big, they do a lot of chanting and stuff like that, the Turkish Sufis do, so we were, I had a big drum, and you know, I was still a little bit hippie, I still had hair at that point. Um, <laughs> and i was drumming and people were chanting and uh singing and she started singing this crazy weird kind of sounds were coming out of her and i was like who is that you know <laughs> we, we kind of connected kinda thing okay and did you start like writing music together first
0: or uh, what well, when did the band kind of come
1: into yeah version? it was several months later i was Probably in a year later i was in florida and kind of long story short was like hey let's get together and play some music, you know, and, um, we did, and it was just a very rapid and deep connection in terms of, you know, musically. And of course, just to complicate things, we fell in love. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it started off as an, as a, as a, a band and then it formed into a romance.
1: It, was, it wasn't was
2: really a band. It was just like, she, you know, I'd stayed in touch with her. We exchanged emails and I gave her some of my music that I was working on at the time, which I think actually scared her more than, <laughs> Than anything, <laughs> but uh, when she said she was in Florida, I got all my recording equipment. I had some, you know, recording gear, and I just brought it all down there, and we set it up in these random places, and just started improvising and writing music. It just happened naturally. So okay, it was the love vibe while it was happening. It didn't start into a band until. Um, you know, for a few years, you know, I, not too long after that, I went up to Montreal, and um, I went to audio school while she was in school because uh she was still in college at the time, and um, uh, yeah, we were just calling ourselves Moksha Jamal. We were still writing music, but then the hudos thing seemed to come after you know it happened a few years later. I don't think that's actually happened until two thousand
1: and five, yeah, it was later for sure. And at that point like i finished my undergrad in 2006 and we basically just hit the road running you know
0: okay so once the once you finished school it was like let's do this bad thing full time
1: yeah
2: yeah she literally got out of school and we went um and got on a plane and flew out to europe and started playing in europe like in 2006. So we've been doing it full time since 2006 pretty much
0: wow did you have a record or anything how did you get out to europe like i'm i'm curious how did you was it all DIY
1: do you remember back in the day when you would just like actually like make phone calls
2: (laughs) occasional emails yeah (laughs) it was all d it was all do-it-yourself stuff I mean we, we had a record our first record out which was pretty uh humble at this point if you listen to it you know it wasn't all you know slickly produced but you know, the first Hudos record was kind of a collaborative project, you know, with different people, and we—that was kind of the concept was like, this was a collaborative ensemble of people that we were, the you know, benevolent dictators of. But then, you know, it still kind of is. But yeah, we work with all kind. We collaborate a lot with a lot of people. So. Okay, so that- yeah, we pretty much you know hit the road and. We got into this festival. Actually it was another Sufi festival up in the Alps, Swiss Alps, that we went and played in two thousand six and then we started contacting people and reaching out and started gotten gigs in Germany and got gigs in, you know, Austria and Amsterdam and we just started
1: It was doing fun. It. it was a fun way to jump into it and I mean we just like I think about the tour dates that we did the first, especially gosh, at least five years of it. And it was like, sure, we'll do it. Okay, whatever. Yeah, we'll do whatever's offered to us. <laughs> and then, you know, we got much more discerning. And at a certain point, I went, all right, I'm making the decisions on what we do and don't do here. And the first few know. years, it
2: was like playing five nights a week. And then, you know, yeah, we'd have drive, you know, drive the day of the show, drive a few hours after the show, and we're just hitting it, you know, all over the place.
1: We, we did our we did our time, though. We did our time, and now we get to like, we pretty much entirely play festivals and art centers, and it's like the kind of context that we really enjoy and that we feel comfortable bringing, if our son is on the road with us, that we mm-hmm. feel comfortable him being there. Like, we haven't played bar gigs in many years, you know? It's sort of, we, we're at the point, we're very grateful to be at the point where we can just do what we want to do. In mm-hmm. Where we play, so no, no
2: more no more David Lynch gigs, like <laughs> in Phoenix, you know, with the uh, with uh, little people and uh, flickering light bulbs and things like that. There were okay. some of
0: them. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you guys chose to just go to Europe right away. What was the decision behind that instead of like touring the U.S. or Canada?
1: We did that, too. It was just sort of nonstop. But Europe was just our sort of first dates that we'd lined up. Because
2: and- we had that festival in the Alps.
1: Yeah. and so we- Oh, and
2: then just aligned stuff around that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then went back two years later and did the same thing again in Europe. So
1: Yeah, and fingers crossed we're supposed to go to Europe this summer, this next summer. But we've been supposed to for the last couple of years, but with COVID, everything. <laughs> right. Another know?
0: supposed. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> You guys have put out a lot of records. I mean, uh, probably a record every couple of years since, what, two thousand when you guys started, right, 2006?
1: Yeah, yeah, and at least the first four of those should have been condensed into maybe two records, you know what I mean? But it was learning. It was a learning process. Yeah.
2: Some of the records that are still floating around there like, you know, outtake things and, you know. So some are more official and some of them are more like, fan things that we were doing with demos and stuff like that. But, and we've done some collaborative projects as well.
0: Uh-huh. It sounds like you, you said the, the beginning of it was kind of a collaborative project, right? The first record.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a collaborative project. And, um, you know, every record we've had different guest artists uh-huh. with us on it and like the last couple records now, um, all all the guys from jars of clay play on them and oh really yeah and
0: i haven't heard that name in a while i i had a friend in high school that was way into that band
1: they're they're they're
0: super nice they're all in nashville too yeah oh really okay
1: and they have a studio based there so we've done some of the work in that studio and um you know so that's a good example like brought them in actually we had like on this on our new album we have like a whole bunch of collaborations. So like all those guys, um, who else like even just on one of the music videos that we did for this new album, we have like um, Kevin, Kevin Clash, who was the creator of Elmo. He created a puppet oh, wow. for it with, and is in it. And um, Kevin Hearn from the Bare Naked Ladies is one of the guests. People on it, Christy Linnae, the guitarist, Jayu Tal, if you know who he is. Who else is
2: Cy Kernan from The Fix?
1: Yeah, Gangsta wow. Grass. Like Gangs- we had a Gangsta Grass. Oh, The Accidentals. We had like a whole bunch of like fun collaborations. The Accidentals and-
2: are, on, are on another song. Do you know, have you heard The Accidentals? Yes, I, I have. Yeah. Wow. Very talented. So. Uh-huh. So
1: it was a fun, I feel like I'm forgetting a whole bunch of people. Um, Him for her, a bunch of other people. And it was just like a really fun and we just love it we love doing it where like yeah we are the ones who write the you know like do 97 percent of the writing and Mm -hmm. have the say in how things are done especially like uh, from the songwriting angle and from the you know sort of production front too but like bringing in different perspectives is always really wonderful in terms of how things play out and you know what surprises come along in it and so, we're big fans of, uh, you know, we're just big fans of like collaboration, but through the stance too of sort of like collaboration as mutual empowerment, you know, in the process too, where it's a fun way of working and it's the kind of thing where there isn't deep attachment to how exactly things should be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And you guys have done this all independently. Yeah. For the most yeah. part? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Completely. completely. Wow. Well I mean that well, must make it even more difficult, I'd imagine, right? To get
1: well, I do want to be say fair and say completely independently, yes, but we have an amazing manager, we have a great booking agent, we've worked with some really good PR people, you know, like so there's a whole lot of
2: that we hire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right.
1: So we're so still doing it ourselves. We're but. still doing it ourselves, but I just wanna don't wanna discount the value of a really good team oh yeah
2: I mean for sure you we know have, so always have helpful people yeah and the, the whole thing with jars of clay started with the album before this one too like with Dan the lead singer we got together with him and co-wrote a song that we won the best social action song for in 2020 so um, wow. It, wow the IMA, yeah, the I, IMA for it, yeah. so he's you know and he's been very support he kind of co-produced the last album Mm-hmm. We'll work, then we work with those guys again on this one just because they're really you know nice to work with and stuff sure. so. so that
0: that record before was that water mercy yeah,
1: yeah.
0: okay with that album, it came out in
2: 2020 came out in 2019 oh it did okay but then we won the you know things are it record. came out in late 2019
1: 2019 i can't remember when oh gosh thing. everything is weird but yeah yeah uh, that
0: was just curious when it came down to the like
2: covid timeline <laughs> or that oh my gosh, everything
1: fell. isn't everything kind of blurred in terms of how yeah time has been the last couple of years
2: i think it came out early 2019 but i don't remember but somewhere during uh we had been entered into the ima thing and some time during that was one of the first good news during COVID when we had thought like our careers are over and we're never going to play music again mm-hmm. at one point they were like that we, every we got musician a, was we feeling. got an email that was like you've won a, the independent music award for the song rise together from of water and mercy so we're like that was like the first like oh great news <laughs> like
1: but it was also funny because it was like and all of the red carpet events in New York City will be canceled around <laughs> Right, yeah. of course. Oh, okay. That must be kind
0: of bittersweet, right? You win an award and they don't have, like, probably a show for it, yeah,
1: like an nothing. award show. Nothing.
2: So the ceremony was us recording a, you know, 10-minute thing going, thanks, everybody. And then that was it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you won t- a couple of uh, Best in Nashville awards to also that year?
1: Yeah, and so that was actually for... Um, uh, speaking of collaborations, we did a really interesting interdisciplinary work through, um, it was really like, it was presented through Oz Arts and through Van- Vanderbilt supported it as well. Oh, wow. Okay. But we, we got a National Endowment for the Arts grant for this project. And in a nutshell, it was working with um, the visual artist Jana Harper, and then a bunch of the dancers from the New Dialect co- Dance Company, Rebecca Steinberg was the choreographer behind it. And we were... We were, you know, obviously part of the that whole process, but we also wrote and did the whole score for it.
2: It was supposed um, to be a live performance. It was supposed effort. to be
1: yes, it was supposed to be live performances at Oz Arts, uh-huh. and no COVID hit, and it shifted everything rapidly. And we had this sudden decision of like, oh my gosh, and especially I don't know if you know Oz Arts, but it's the kind of thing where it books really far out, right? So like we uh-huh. kind of were suddenly in the position of like, do we? do we reschedule this for like, a year or two down the road? Or do we find some other way to do it? And so we actually, I can't believe how rapidly we did it. But we basically, the dancers were filmed in isolation. Um, Instead of like, writing and performing the score, we recorded the whole thing. Um, You know, and the visual arts elements were interwoven into it. And so it was like, Done as a live stream of this whole performance basically. Um still live streamed through Oz Arts and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. it won it won a couple of the best of Nashville awards.
2: That's so, amazing. Yeah. Hopefully the soundtrack will come out officially sometime. Is it something that they will yeah. end up doing as a
0: live show or or it kind of just
1: you, That's a great question and actually the I hope so the the main visual artist behind it, and I were just talking about that recently, and it's still an option. Right now it's actually being set up as installations in different places where it's like sound and video installation works in some, in different um, like museums and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I would love for it to actually become an actual performance at some point, but it's really fascinating to see what works become based on circumstance, right? and kind of questioning like well what form does it actually work best in you know it's you never know exactly how that's going to play out so mm-hmm. that was totally nuts too because that was like as covid was hitting and we were basically like you know what it's like to have it, what it what it's been like to have kids through Oh
0: yeah it's
1: been the joy like homeschooling, <laughs> our son, homeschooling our son while trying to record the whole score
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh <laughs> It was just- yeah i have two kids and one of my sons is in kindergarten it was like they were trying to get him on zoom and all of a I'm like this is such a nightmare like what yeah. are they really learning and it was like twice a day for like 30 minutes i'm like what it just i felt like it was so worthless it was like way more effort than it really needed to be but
2: When he couldn't couldn't have any play dates you know like yeah he was so and so And at that time you're still like we can't be around anyone so right right those early days were rough
1: yeah so it was kind of astonishing to amidst all of that a have a child who didn't go insane b (laughs) b win that ima and you know and c like actually produce That whole score and you know have it be well received. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, and then we started writing, writing songs that came out turned into our new record that just came out. So that was all written during COVID as well. So was it hard? Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, which is why the new album is called "Anthems of Home." You know, we were. Literally <laughs> writing it. from
0: home. <laughs> Did you record the record right here? You said you have a studio. You're talking about shooting a video in it earlier, but uh, is that where you recorded the record as well? Most of it.
1: A lot. Most of it, and the rest of it that we didn't do here was at Gray Matters in Nashville at uh, the
2: Jars of
0: Clay Studio.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: okay.
0: Right on. And was it hard to find? And, and, and it sounds like a lot of your records are all collaborative projects. Was it hard to collaborate with people or find people willing to collaborate? when a pandemic is happening
1: everyone that we worked with uh in the studio uh in nashville on this new record are musicians that we have already worked with quite a bit most of the okay. jars. So, most of the jars guys and then you know like our drummer brian brock he um he's toured with us and also on past things since and 2010 he's been
2: playing with it yeah
1: and so like uh, and you know a few others but basically um christy Linnae too and like the musicians involved are people we already have like relationships with so honestly like before the first time we went into the studio with them we were we actually like went and got tested and everything too just to be on the safe side and mm-hmm. um we the funny thing was we had all been deep in isolation and then got into the studio together and you know started out masked not touching each other and by the end of the day we were all like hugging and
0: of course
1: (laughs) like oh well there goes that but we had we had taken as many precautions as we could
2: Uh huh. yeah then you know like the accident we mentioned the accidentals who you know they you know had their own created their own they were doing a lot during covid a lot of live streaming like daily almost and they were we've been friends with them for a long time you know they're up in michigan and uh-huh. jammed and played and performed with them before and uh so they were helping us kind of figure out the whole live stream thing that was the other hard thing with covid was pivoting to like how to live stream and make it sound good and make it be fun which it generally wasn't fun right and it
0: was like so oversaturated in the beginning there too right i mean it was like everyone
2: and like it's like
1: and we live out in the country like our connection is great you know what i mean (laughs) so we would sort of be doing something and then it would be interrupted and you know but they
2: they were helping us and stuff accidentals and then we one of the songs we uh how many miles on the new record they we ended up sending to them and they did some awesome vocal tracks and then during the video for that so you know we were if we weren't we're doing the nashville stuff with people in those few sessions we were sending stuff back and forth and we also recorded um a 14 14 song cover song album which wow. uh, is gonna come out later probably sometime in 2022 but there's also you know we put it out as a deluxe edition for the pre-order campaign and stuff but like mm-hmm. The cover song records, really we'll start putting those out sometime next year. But there's some collaborations on that too with like uh, um, Lisa carbay and JP Duran from the band Incendio, who I don't know if you've heard of them from California and Christy Lane And yeah, you know, I'm well, well, making a list of the second volume of the cover songs.
0: Okay. Well, can you tell us any of the covers that you did?
2: um We did, I'm trying to. Uh, we did a Richard Thompson song. We did a Bee Gees song. Um, um, Duran Duran. Okay. Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire. I mean, I could tell you which songs. There's a uh, uh, Depeche Mode. Oh, awesome. Um, David Bowie.
1: We did a couple of, like total traditional Appalachian songs thrown in there too. And there's a
2: Bengal song on there. Yeah. Oh, which one? A Turtle Flame?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: A song called "Grateful." It's more of a deep cut. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a Springsteen song. There's a U2 song. Foo fire wow. song. We kind of uh, oh, it, blended it all together. But
0: yeah, that's cool. How did you decide on songs? Just ones that you guys enjoyed?
2: Yeah, I just started kind of making a list. I mean, I've got a. I've been making a list of cover songs. I mean, oftentimes, yeah, this is kind of a little bit of a diversion, but I'm always listing like this would be a good song to cover you know this is you know if someone covered this this could be a big hit again and most of the time we never do it and then you know within a year someone's done a cover of it and it's you know blown up and i was like see we should have recorded it but <laughs> i've been making a list of songs for a long time and that was a partial list of those might be the right. bg song is probably my favorite one
1: Okay. Weren't your favorite mixtapes back in the day, the ones that were like a really eclectic mix of yeah. things, right? So uh-huh. it's basically a totally weird mixtape, but with us playing everything on it.
0: I love that. That's really cool. I think nowadays more so too, people are more uh, like, I feel like mu- music isn't so like genre specific, like you, it's cool if you like. Beyonce and Sonic Youth, like it, it works nowadays. Where like I felt like when I was growing up, like you you like punk rock, like you were only really allowed to like punk rock, <laughs> like amongst your yeah, friends. I've always
2: been though. You know, I was always yeah. Like, I was into hard stuff, you know, growing up, and then I was also into Earthwind and Fire and Prince. Uh huh.
1: Especially our live sound is really mixed. Like we play a lot of festivals, and we'll be literally like all over the map with what we're doing. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because early on early on in our careers, when we were doing everything and anything, I remember having a booking agent say to us, well, I'll take you on if you choose one specific genre, right? Oh, interesting. And, yeah. and we were like, no, we don't, like, that's not what we want to do. Like, we just feel much happier doing, being all over the map and having mm-hmm. fun. And you know what I mean? Going deep and quiet, and then going wild and loud, you know, like, and what's interesting is that that has actually become the thing that one of the things that people love in what we do Mm -hmm. is that we're all over the map. And it's one of the reasons why like we can play so many festivals and we can do folk
2: festivals. We can do jam band festivals. We could go do a yoga chant festival. We can do a rock festival. And we just do what we do and
1: people have fun and it's, it works, you know, so it's kind of an interesting thing where we just sort of stuck with, doing what we love and sort of, I don't know, the industry is caught up a little bit uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? being like, okay, yeah, you don't have to be just one genre, right?
0: That's- I yeah. feel like that is definitely a turn in, in the industry. Like, yeah, if you look at the early, I like a Coachella lineup, for example, like the the first few were like, I mean, the first 10 were very genre specific. And now it's like, the biggest you know pop festival there
1: is where it has
0: everything across the whole board from every you know every type of genre of music yeah um I'm curious with you said you play a lot of festivals and like art shows and stuff like uh, have you had a chance to play live within the past year I know not a lot of stuff in that probably in that world was really open as much
1: well we basically did like so obviously, a lot was shut down. For uh-huh. quite a while. And we still don't feel comfortable doing in certain regions, like with, with the whole outbreaks that have happened in the last few months, we just said, like, let's pause on indoor shows where there isn't mask requirement, right? So mm-hmm. we paused all of that stuff. But we have been able to all summer we were doing um like we did some outdoor concert series
2: as a duo
1: as a duo, we were not okay. touring Full band because it just was felt too risky to tour as a up in band. the northeast
2: too where there were very few cases
1: up but, in the northeast mm-hmm. and in Canada we were basically touring through regions that had lower case counts mm-hmm. and we were doing outdoor concert series and smaller festivals right and then through the last months in the fall we've actually been able to do a bunch of bigger festivals and with the band um, ones that were. Either rescheduled for the fall or were fall dates, but we still like. And they had
2: COVID stuff in place too. They had mm. stuff.
1: Yeah, they had COVID stuff in place. It, it was felt, fun playing
2: with the band for the. Oh, first it
1: was time. super fun playing with the band again. Beforehand, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know if I remember how to play with the band." And then you know, right? We it, it was super fun. So we actually, yeah, I mean, it was just like two weeks ago we had our last um, festival for the season that. Okay. We and but we were doing them like, you know, we did quite a few through the fall and it was really, really fun to be able to do that. And that said, a good number of dates have still been pushed from this year into next year in terms mm-hmm. of ones that will be rescheduled for that are bigger crowd ones um, that we would play with the full band, you know, just for uh-huh. those sake of safety so but i think more and more like more and more festivals and that kind of thing are kind of getting the hang of how to do these things with just safer mm-hmm. around them and so i have a lot more like i have a lot more faith and sense of security that things will survive you know in the music industry in terms of just maybe taking a different approach with how with some of that stuff mm-hmm.
0: so that's amazing well i, I that's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're able to schedule your, your dates, you know, for, for coming up and it wasn't just totally canceled completely. Uh, I know a lot of people saw that happen and, or aren't able to rebook shows because so many other tours got canceled and then everyone's kind of trying to grab the selected dates are available and I know not a lot are left. So that's great that you're able to keep some of that stuff, um, on the yeah, books.
1: some is still very much in question. Like, the europe stuff as i mentioned and mm-hmm. we were supposed to be we were supposed to travel to africa in 2022 and of course that's like you oh know, wow i mean we just don't know i mean i it's it breaks my heart in terms of what's happening in big regions of africa right now and um we don't know when that'll happen or when that'll shift you mm-hmm. know so we're kind of waiting to see with that mm-hmm.
0: Well, I appreciate you both doing this uh, today. Thank you so much for, for being on and telling me your story. I do have one more question for you both. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists.
1: Don't go into the arts. No, I'm just
2: kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I
2: See, Speaking of that, our son is already like. Our our son is in rock band academy right now. Oh, awesome! He played his first. He sat in at the very first. I mean, this relates to your your question. I think he, uh, you know, we've never pressured him to get on stage with us. And for a while, he was just like not interested in music. So we're like, maybe you know, we're not going to pressure him. But at our very first show, band show that we did at a festival in North Carolina, Wild Goose Festival, we had Dan from Jars of Clay with us. He was like, I want to come play on one song with you so we set up a drum for him and he came up there and was like super confident and then he was like i want to do what we watched school of rock and he was like i want to do rock band academy so we're like which they have bowling awesome. Green rock band academy and he went in which i'm wearing the bowling green rock band academy shirt right now
0: oh is that it that's cool
2: yeah. and uh he just did his first concert with his band you know he put on a bandano and a. Uh, Bowie shirt and a red leather leather jacket jacket, was up there like, and all the other kids were sitting there like this, and he's up there like. uh, uh, (laughs) Does he play bass? I'm just going off the
0: motion of your arm. Yeah,
2: yeah, bass bass, drums right now. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, he's just like ready to roll. He's into Kiss right now, which is the same age I got into Kiss, and, you know, he's just into it, and he's, yeah, he's loving it. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, this is part of the advice. I mean, do it, get on it early, man. I wish I would have had a rock band academy at eight years old, you know, because mm-hmm. I got my guitar, my first guitar when I was 16 and, you know, was playing it punk rock. But at that point it was, you know, I feel like I was a late bloomer starting then. Mm-hmm. But.
1: that's That's advice to young yeah. aspiring musicians. And yeah. yes, I mean, like, I do think that like, the deeper you get into it, the earlier on, the better, for sure. But anybody who's stepping it into, stepping into it at any point in their lives, like, go for it. But one thing you do have to know, and this is sort of the advice, is um, it's just as much, it, it will be just as much art and music as it is the business end of things. And Especially that's, now, yeah. That's just part of what you have to be, understanding of and patient with so my advice if anything is like patience with oneself in the process and patience in the industry because it's a lot to take on but you know it's just a thing of like are you patient and are you committed you know and you know then working with it going for it so i know that's really boring advice but it's you know and i kind of sound like my grandfather but (laughs) I don't know.